0: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Voices of Vapors. This is where we discuss all things related to tobacco harm reduction, notably electronic cigarettes and vaping devices. As you might be aware, and for our new listeners, um, these were introduced to the United States market in 2007. And since then, they have helped an estimated 3 million American adults quit smoking. They are significantly safer, despite all the recent fear mongering. public health england royal college of physicians and even the american cancer society do find the use of electronic cigarettes to be significantly less harmful and the acs actually notes that they're they're, they're less harmful due to the fact that they do not contain nor combust tobacco Recent hospitalizations are being linked overwhelmingly to illicit THC products that are unregulated, um, and actually any THC vaping device isn't even regulated at the federal level because they do not recognize marijuana. Today, I have Bill Wickstrom from Mississippi, the Magnolia State. He's a retired Army combat veteran, and he's got two degrees. Um, He owns two companies, including 13 vape shops and an e-liquid distribution company, Most importantly, Bill is the president of the Mississippi Vaping Advocacy Association. So thanks, Bill, for joining us. How are you?
1: Lindsay, thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing pretty good, actually. How are you?
0: I'm okay. I mean, we had snow last night in Chicago. It's a dusting, but, you know, winter is coming.
1: Yep, general winter. Here it comes.
0: Yep, not really so much in Mississippi. I mean, everything shuts down when y'all get snow.
1: Oh, it does. Down here in the South, people lose their minds. They don't know what to do with it because it happens so rarely.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So always my first question with every guest on here. Um, how did you get involved with the vaping industry? You um, just kind of talk about your journey so our listeners can understand that.
1: All right. It's uh, it's not overly compl- complicated, Lindsay. Uh, I served 20 years in the United States Army. I retired in December of 2008. Um I went back to work overseas as an independent contractor and did and stayed over there for a few years came back home i got picked up for the bp oil spill i was the chief operations officer for the entire state of mississippi so i had thousands of people that were working to clean up our beaches and our islands here in the state the bp oil 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 spill they got capped i believe it was august bp kept me around as we continued to finalize all our cleanup and drawdown on that, and they said, you know, Bill, we'd love to keep you around, but, you know, we're pretty much done with all of this, and we thank you for, you know, for what you've done, and I had applied uh, to the University of Southern Mississippi and used my GI Bill, and I went back to school, and I went and earned a second degree from the College of Business from USM, and as I was getting ready to graduate, I sent out over 70 tailor-made resumes across various states here in the South, and the returns, I, I only ended up receiving four returns. Two of those were thanks, but uh, we didn't get the contract. So we wish you the best of luck. And then the other the other two were like, well, um, you're not exactly what we were looking for, but thank you anyways. And so here I was looking, getting ready to graduate and without any work on the horizon. And I discovered vaping. I had already started using blues. I just got tired of smoking. I didn't wanna smoke anymore. And you know, at that point, I was like, you know what, why not forge my own destiny? So I took what little change I had left in my savings account. I went and opened my uh, first shop here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and then I grew it from there. Today we have 12 bake shops and a CBD shop, and then we have the uh, the distro. So that's where we're at today in, since 2013.
0: Well, and, and this is not a question that I had put on to the um, questions I was going to ask you, but um, you did bring up a really good point. Uh, The military is kind of notorious for using combustible cigarette products and, well, just tobacco actually in general um, among cigarettes and, like, chew and smokeless tobacco. I did see a study that came out the last year that, like, actually – for years it was, like, the military population smoked more than the general population, but that is actually kind of, like, reversed. Um, It's actually – there's a lower amount of military people as far as, like – the percentage of them smoking cigarettes, but there's also a larger part of them that are using electronic cigarettes. Did you see that at all? I, I mean, I'm sure you still have your Army friends and everything. Are you seeing that kind of with the military culture?
1: Okay, so back while I was in the service, there was a tremendous amount of people who smoked and dipped. And um, the Army, as I was getting ready to retire, was transitioning, and they, they the commanders wanted a healthier force, and they were starting to really, really frown upon the use of combustible tobacco uh, not so much dip but definitely with combustible tobacco because you know what all the damage it does to your lungs Yeah. and then uh keeping in touch with with various friends of mine over the years um, they're continuing to push that message that they don't want you smoking they can't outright ban it per se because it's very hard for them to stop but it is heavily frowned upon and then i i have like i said i still have friends that are tied to the military and um, they've seen a tremendous drop in the smoking rates as vaping became more and more popular.
0: Awesome! So, study meets real life. Fantastic! So, you're located in Mississippi, um, and sure. I know I know y'all just had some elections. Um, can you give our listeners an update on like what kind of went down?
1: Okay, so uh, MSVAA was founded in April of 2016, and we've been working on combating anti-vaping legislation, as well as dealing with the ANTS groups that um, seem to permeate a lot of the state health departments. And we've been very successful with that. For the nearly past four years, we've defeated all the legislation. There was even a bill introduced where you, you it would have been illegal to vape in your own car. Um, yeah, it was, it was. there was some really ridiculous stuff. And what really motivated us to get formed was is that one of the um, – state reps suggested a 68 cents per mil tax. So, you know, back then hundred mils, um, they cost you about $40 back in the day when they introduced that. So you're looking at a $68 tax on a 100 mil bottle
0: Ooh.
1: and it would have been $108 for that bottle. So we got together, um, formed the organization and then, pooled our money and what we focused on and we focused our our limited resources on hiring a lobbyist and we have one and she's magnificent and we just love her to death she's done she's very experienced too she's been a lobbyist for over 20 years so at the beginning of this year to get everybody caught up here in 2019 we saw dangers coming to the vaping industry and we saw the stuff with the teen use um, some of the questionable labeling, we've seen politicians that were holding up bottles saying, you know, they're clearly targeting the kids. We knew what was coming. We saw what was coming. So we put together a comprehensive plan of and a package of legislation that the board approved, and we sat and waited on it because we knew that this year was going to be an election year, and we were just going to have to wait and see what was going on. So during during over the course of this year, we sat on that board-approved package, and we started reaching out to the candidates and finding out where they stood on on the, the vaping industry and started collecting all that information and seeing who was running for governor, who was running for attorney general. And we were keeping all of our members updated while, while keeping track of what these candidates, uh, you know, where they stood with the vaping industry. And then uh, a few months ago, one of the candidates, Mr. Hood, came out and said that he wanted to ban vaping. And, um, you know, we didn't have very much luck being able to talk to him and then um during the USM debate I want to say about just over a month ago there uh between Mr. Reeves and Mr. Hood you know Hood reiterated his stance on banning vapor and uh Mr. Reeves had talked about a possible ban because or or something because of his concerns for the children so we reached out to the Reeves campaign because Mr. Reeves was our Lieutenant Governor here in the state, and we had already worked with him for the past few years, his office and the Senate pro tem and and several other key legislators here in the state. And uh, at first we didn't get much of a response. So what we did was there was a flash poll and one of the board members, Dave Coughlin, um, got everybody involved and we flipped that poll big time. It was about 20, 20 plus point switch Mr. Hood was leading Reeves, and then by the time the flash poll closed, Mr. Reeves had basically, they had basically flipped positions, oh, you know, wow. uh, by 10 points. So um, we pointed that out to the Reeves campaign. I also mentioned to them that, you know, consistently over the year, the Reeves campaign uh, has been losing in the polls to the Hood campaign. And I reminded them, you know, 538 is showing that you guys are losing still to the Hood campaign. Look how we, how the vaping vote can, can change this. And we showed them the the flash poll that was taken next thing you know we had a meeting to sit down with them and uh, to clarify their position and mr reeve's campaign was very clear that they didn't want to infringe on adults but they had serious concerns about youth vaping and that's where we're at today um, we we talked to that campaign and uh, we we pushed very very hard through the industry stakeholders and through grassroots activism to get out there and get the vote to seal the deal for, for Mr. Reeves here in the state of Mississippi.
0: No, fantastic. I know I was crying when I saw Virginia, you know, I got like flipped to blue. I mean, I work for, you know, libertarian think tank. So, um, and watching, uh, Kentucky as it's still playing out, um, So let's back up to Mississippi. You touched a little bit on it. Um, So I was checking out some information this morning about just like regulations and how the electronic cigarettes are. So they're defined in the Mississippi State Code, but there are no taxes. There's also no retailer licenses. Um, Can you talk more about how what's the current situation for electronic cigarettes um, in uh, Mississippi, whether you are a retailer, distributor, or a manufacturer?
1: Well, that's something we want to address with uh, the um – the governor elect's office as well as the new state house legislature. And we're looking at, you know, getting people licensed next door in Alabama, they got them licensed. It didn't cost them anything. We're going to basically ask for the same thing. And, um, because as you know, the biggest perpetrator of underage sales are the C stores. Yeah. That's, that's where the, the vast majority of underage sales come from. So, and, and both campaigns are well, well, well aware of that. And so, focusing on getting um, helping the industry to help tighten it because if we can have a say in stuff that we know that works it's better than somebody who doesn't know anything and then decides that they want to try and regulate it for us so that's that's the that's the biggest difference that really needs to be driven home is being given the opportunity to have a say in helping them shape policy in order to weed out a lot of these problems that we have you know another big thing is is that is enforcement yes and if you're not going to and i understand police have more important stuff to do um you know than to worry about whether or not you just bought a 60 mil of you know whatever e-liquid that you like you know and, and try to and put somebody in the clink that's that's ridiculous i mean that's that's straight up ridiculous you know that we have definitely far more uh pressing problems than to worry you know getting the police to do it but when it comes to these these kids you know, we, we something. There has to be some teeth. There has to be some accountability, and that's what we're pressing for, Lindsay.
0: I do. I love it. I, I, I one of the you brought up a good point. Like, put something that works. Um, you know, Heartland. We, we can't really go on the record. You know, in favor of regulations. Though, looking at it, licensing from a state level may actually have more of an impact than anything that comes from the federal level. Um, I'm also though for like punishing children, uh, you know, that are caught in possession. Um, when a kid gets caught with a bottle of vodka, they don't shut down the liquor store, you know, they go after the kid. You're in possession of this, you shouldn't have this. Um, and I think that those need to be like I, I what but you as you brought up too with the whole, you know, you don't want to overburden the juvenile justice system, you know, with kids that are no. just vaping. But at the same time, I mean, if you're going to put this alarmism around nicotine and the youth developing brain, then you need to actually have something more in line with punishing these children that are caught in possession with these or just selling them. Um, you brought up the C stores, and, and you're right. Overwhelmingly, convenience stores are what is selling to minors, at least with the FDA compliance checks. But a big part, I think it's like 90% of children get their tobacco or you know miners get their tobacco products from straw man purchasing so they're getting their friends their buddy their family members their siblings and even strangers to actually like purchase that so it's really impossible for you know any any retailer to actually kind of stop that
1: well and one of the things that i found out while um uh, through family members that that um have their kids my my nieces and nephews and stuff like that i, I talked to one of them recently, and I, and I asked her, I said, you know, um, how are the kids getting their hands on this stuff? Because kids don't want you to know what their sources are. They want to keep yeah. getting their stuff. And, you know, she, she doesn't vape, but she, you know, she's well aware of it in the schools. And she says, you know, we've got programs like, you know, these apps like Snapchat and TikTok <laughs> is where a bunch of the deals I see going down on. So how do you regulate these apps? Oh, I, wow. I, that's, that's a big challenge right there, Lindsay.
0: Wow. Those kids are so like, wow, look at them using technology. I mean, it's kind of like Uber for vaping almost in a sense. Wow. Um, Yeah, there is that whole thing. I mean, youth usage needs to go down. Um, If you look at the numbers nationally, it did creep up in 2019. It's not as bad as the uh, change from 2017 to 2018. Um, I just don't, I'm on the side that you really can't quit punishing retailers that are doing everything right and are not selling to minors. Um, it's where I'm at right now.
1: Well, that's a good point because there's a, there's a lot of reputable vendors out there that value their businesses. You know, when you look at your, your, your standard vape shop, you see that these are primarily uh, mom and pop operations. These are, these are people that care about their businesses tremendously. I just will always believe they're going to try and do the right thing, as opposed to you're always going to have some bad apples. Don't get me wrong; there there are some bad apples out there. I, I've seen um, I've seen some uh, establishments that I'm not one to get into saying denigrating things, but at the end of the day, these are shops that have very very questionable business practices, and you know they 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 make us all look bad with with their business practices.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. There's always bad actors. But, okay, so you kind of touched on it as well. Okay, so what can we expect from Mississippi in 2020? I know you talked about, you know, getting some regulation going on. Um, are we seeing lawmakers, you know, throwing out flavor bans or and or, or tax, uh, taxes?
1: Okay, so as you know, we just had our election uh, two days ago. Yep. And it's going to take time. I was on the phone with our lobbyist yesterday. But I, I know that it's going to take time for not only the governor and all the other offices, but as well as the state legislators to uh, get transitioned in and start to get everything assembled. You know who's going to chair what and stuff like this. So we're not exactly sure where where it where it's going to go. That's why we want to try and propose um, our package to show that we want to be proactive. We want to fix these problems. We want to get it in here. Cuz the last thing that we want is we want people who don't know shit about this industry to regulate it because they don't know anything. But, you know, they're focused on other they're they're generally focused on other things. And as you can look at the national picture right now, you know, the economy is one of the things, you know, healthcare is another issue. But, you know, at the same time this has come to light, we've taken an absolute beating from the piss poor press. That, uh, with the way they they've articulated their headlines trying to conflate vaping with you know with these uh, you know these black market cartridges. So if they want a solution, well we're here to bring you solutions and we'll we'll go ahead and help you work and and figure out a great solution so that this problem can go away and you can then go back to focusing on other things.
0: Absolutely. No, I think it's fantastic, preemptive. Um, I know, at least for me, I mean, I handle all 50 states, so it seems like it's, all, it's just been defensive work, not so much on the offense. So it's good for you guys to be going in on the offense. And yeah, Mississippi's kind of like, if you look at some of the way that these states are handling electronic cigarettes and vaping devices, um, you guys kind of like, you have an almost a pretty much blank slate on like how you can create the laws.
1: Well, we're, we're hoping to have a very proactive part on this, and we want to get ahead. We think being on the offensive is better than trying to react. Yes. It's, always, it's always better to have the initiative than, than to not have it. And that's why we went ahead and put together as a board this package. So once these elections were done and they get, you know, they get all their transition done, see, we're very fortunate here in the state of Mississippi, um, you know, despite the stereotypes that we have, we have a pretty limited government, and we also have a part-time legislative session. That only runs from January through April, yep. so we need to make the most of what we got. You know, otherwise the governor would have to call a special special session in order to get anything moved once once they're out in, at the end of April. So we wanted to make sure that we were ready to go. We were ready to go on the offensive and and help push and shape policy here in our state. And as I pointed out to their campaign, you know, there's this one amendment called the Tenth Amendment that you can effectively use and can really change the shape of things. And they they said, "Well, how so?" I said. I got one word for you, Colorado, and that's, and they were like, oh, okay, I get you now. Yep. So we have a proactive approach in going and taking the initiative and helping shape this policy and exercising it through this, the Tenth Amendment. It really puts us in a very, very good position to do this. I know Mississippi gets stereotyped because we're generally the poorest uh, state in the union, but don't let that uh, fool you for a second.
0: Hey, I live in Illinois. I think we are the poorest state in the union. We just have Chicago that's, like, holding us up. (laughs) Um, But, uh, all right, so can you – you kind of touched a little bit on it, but can you tell our listeners more about the Mississippi Vaping Advocacy Association or MS – you guys are calling it MSVA, right? Yep.
1: we just go by the acronym MSVAA. All right, as as the Mississippi Vaping Advocacy Association – and as I mentioned earlier, we were formed in April of 2016, primarily driven by a 68 cents per mil tax. We came together, formed a board, and uh and then started rocking and rolling from there. We've had we've had people come and go. Um, but you know, we have a very solid board that's continued to march on and continue to keep the fight up. It's very challenging um to get people involved, but one of the but the way we look at it is is that we only ask for uh we only ask industry professionals slash stakeholders for uh, $200 a year, right? Okay. And and that's for the, the stakeholders and the industry professionals.
0: And that right? goes to the lobbyists the, and it, all your guys' costs at the at you know the Capitol in Jackson.
1: Yeah, our capital's up in Jackson, and I'll, and I'll catch you back up on that here in a second. Uh, for the private individual uh, citizens, it, it's zero. It doesn't cost you anything to join because oh, wow. we firmly believe as a board that there's, there's an inherent strength in numbers. And, you know, consumers are already asked a lot. I mean, go to Taco Bell. They want you to donate, you know, to this or go buy Sonic and, you know, get some Lyme AIDS for learning or whatever. You know, um, we as the vaping industry, we have a large stake in this. And as stakeholders, you know, we should help be able to flip that bill. And so that's our prerogative on how we look at it. You know, not ask the consumer to do it. We just need the consumer to add their voice. That's all we, we're expecting from them. So where does the money go? The money um, is is primarily designated for our lobbyists and for um, advertising and social media. That's okay. it. Right now, as it stands for the past near four years, uh, nobody takes one red cent from from the organization. Everything is done on our own dime and our own time. And that's, by and large, how we operate here in the state of Mississippi.
0: That's fantastic. That's how well, I'm, I'm a board member on Tobacco Harm Reduction for Life. And, yeah, none of us get any money either. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah, I mean, that it's more volunteer work. But you know, just getting information out there to consumers. Um, do you mind uh, answering, like, how many vape shops do you guys represent?
1: Well, unfortunately, that number is in flux right now. Um, we've had we've had a lot of shops here in the state close as well, yeah. so we've got to do another recount and take a look at things. Um, you know, at one point again, we're not, we're geographically Mississippi is a, a pretty large state, but. Even though we're a, a large state, we only have about three million people in the state total. That's not very much, no, at not. all. Um, so you know, scattered throughout the state, at our peak, we we had about 110 vape shops. Oh
0: wow! And
1: I, yeah, that was about it. Well, we don't, you know, Jackson is our, our the state capital is our largest city, and that's only a couple hundred thousand people, right? So you know. I think we were up to 40 plus shops, I think we had a really, really good return on them being members right so you're looking at roughly about a membership of about. I think at our peak was about 40%, but we have to look at things now we just you know we've lost a lot of shops over the past two months. Um, One chain that had three shops, they 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 threw in the towel others, they said you know i'm tired of all of this. Uh, I'm through I'm out. So we've got to, we're going back through and um, reaching out to our members and reaching out to to other shops it, it's It's a challenge to get uh, businesses in there, and that's why we tried to keep it very minimal with only two hundred dollars a year. yeah uh, been very fortunate to get a lot of uh, out of state companies to sign on board to help fund our fight down here. They've been very, very good about that, and we thank them greatly. Um, but trying to get some of these other shops, some of these other shops, well, I'm just going to tell you straight up, they don't care. Yeah. Okay. That's a fact. They don't care. They, all they care about is just making a dollar. Yeah. Okay. So they don't care about advocacy. That to them is a waste of the money. And why should I put any money in, you know, when um, when you guys are already doing it for me?
0: Yeah. Um, well, you see, I've it actually I've had had
1: you- I have had that. To I just looked at them <laughs> and I'm like, Wow, you
0: you know what I mean? Yeah, well, well, it's like well, I and I've talked to a lot of the, you know the associations, and um, you know, for the record, I think the state associations are fantastic. I think you guys all across the states have done like really great job at you know getting to know your lawmakers and changing the narrative and you know stopping really bad legislation. But yeah, you can see like from different states, uh, you know, the level of participation among all the vape shop owners. And you're absolutely right. There's so many. It's not even bad actors. They're just actors that do not give a crap. And it's just really unfortunate.
1: Well, and and what, and you know, that being said, Lindsay, you did mention that the the part about getting with the legislators and stuff like that, you know, it's amazing when you sit down with them how little they really know. And what we do is we go in there armed with a little folder, uh, generally a manila folder that, that shows, you know, this is what this organization has said such as the Royal college of physicians. And then I print out like the article that shows that they're opening vape shops inside the hospitals, you know, so how bad really be if they're really doing that. And then the other, like the the biggest thing I like to drive home is the economic impact on this. And it's not just from the money generated from the, the vaping industry inside the state, as far as revenue and taxes collected. But what I'm talking about is the disbursement of our tax money that goes to people uh, people's health care for yep. smoking. Medicaid. As you know, the longer yes. you smoke, you know, the more likely you are to develop sickness and disease. You'll go see a doctor, what a doctor do. He prescribes medication and treatment plans. And, and if they can't afford it, usually some form of Medicaid or some kind of um, health aid is given to them, which really is a burden. You know, here in Mississippi, you know, our costs, uh, Medicaid costs from smoking alone, while not big, In other states, in our state, it's massive. It's $2.5 billion. We have a very big smoking population down here. Okay, so you're looking at $1.3 billion that gets paid out in Medicaid payments and a further $1.2 billion paid out because of associated smoking costs. So, you know, that's, and smoke and, and, you know, and a few other things. So $2.5 billion is a huge economic impact. And as I like to tell them, why can't we change that? Smoking is the, the number one preventable, cause of, of death here in, in the United States. Yes, And everybody knows 480,000 plus an additional 41,000 from secondhand smoke. So why can't we change the narrative on this and, and get these people off of cigarettes through vaping. And at that point, you know, if these people aren't getting sick anymore, they're not being a drain on our scarce healthcare resources. And maybe we can make it more horrible without having such a huge drain on it.
0: Yes, Absolutely. Bill, okay, so where can we find out more information about um, MSVAA as well as do you have any last words or advice for our listeners and what we can expect um, in 2020?
1: Okay, so MSVAA is very simple to find. It's at MSVAA.org, and that's where you can find out all about us and sign up. Like I said, there's strength in numbers. Uh, For 2020, I'm going to be patient. I take a very pragmatic look at this. Let's see how things shake out. I'm not sure what the Trump administration is going to do, but here on the state level, we're waiting for all the transitions to take place and we're ready to go as soon as those transitions are complete. And then your last question again, please.
0: Any advice for our listeners?
1: Um, If you you vote, it makes a difference. We proved it down here in Mississippi because Mr. Reeves was in a very tight election. He was trailing his Democratic opponent And we firmly believe we changed that and pushed him over the finish line to help him get the win. We were very relentless about getting out the the vaping vote, and it does work.
0: Well, thanks again for coming on today, Bill. Uh, Listeners, thank you for turning into another episode of Voices of Vapors. For more podcasts, including more of this series, please visit heartland.org or search for the Heartland Daily Podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcast at. For more information on e-cigarettes and tobacco harm reduction, please visit our alcohol and tobacco page at heartland.org. Are you interested in helping the Freedom Movement? Are you interested in helping the Heartland Institute? Then consider selecting the Heartland Institute as your Amazon Smile charity of choice. Amazon's charity will donate one half of 1% of your purchases to the Heartland Institute without any additional cost to you. And believe us, every little bit counts. Visit smile.amazon.com and type in the Heartland Institute to get started today.